0: underdog collectibles is an online shop run for collectors by collectors join them every sunday tuesday and thursday night as they break new products talk sports and hopefully you'll pull a great hit to add your collection visit them at www.udogcollect.com and tell them wax pack hero sent you remember always bet on the underdog You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 2021 edition of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I'm recording this on Saturday morning, January 2nd. And I've been thinking a lot about where I want to go with cards in 2021. From a card perspective, 2020 was great. I hope it gets even better in 2021. And I was just spending some time filing my sales tax return for the, the last three months of 2020, looking ahead at what I've got going on on an eBay perspective, what I've got going on from a podcast perspective, And uh, we're going to talk about some goals next week. So a little teaser. We're going to talk about goals next week. We're going to have working on some more interview guests. We're going to be doing an episode, doing a financial recap like I did in the early part of 2020, just to give you guys a picture of what is possible for somebody doing this part time and give you a feel for what revenue comes in, what expenses go out and give you an idea of what things might look like for you if you ever tried to do this. So those are a couple of teasers of things that we've got going out on in upcoming episodes. But today's episode is an update from Starstock. Starstock was a sponsor of the show as they were getting ready to launch early in 2020. And they sponsored the show for several months throughout 2020 as they got up and going. But it, a lot had changed since they launched. And so I thought it was time to get somebody from StarStock to come back, provide an update on how things are going, what they've got going on, how the site is developing, and what they might have coming up into the near future. And so Scott Greenberg, the co-founder and CEO, is joining me for a conversation. So I don't want to waste any time, and I'll just go ahead and run the interview. Well, for many listeners of the show, they will not be strangers to StarStock. StarStock had been a sponsor of the show since the the beginning of of StarStock's run as a a site. And now uh, we had Nigel Eccles on the show early on pre-launch. And today we bring Scott Greenberg on the show, who is one of the co-founders and the CEO of StarStock. And we're going to talk a little bit about the site and its progression and where they're headed. So Scott, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. Well, we had Nigel on the show back in March, I believe it was, but we have not yet had a chance to talk with you. So how about you just share a little bit about your hobby background to get us started?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, my background in the hobby, I I grew up a a pretty big collector, liked chasing basketball cards for the most part, but but Yankee players as well. My favorite players, uh, Carmelo Anthony growing up. So I have a pretty good collection of of some of his stuff. I think like a a lot of other people, I stepped aside uh, from the hobby when I got to middle school or high school and brought my cards up into the attic. And then about two years ago, I got really into it again. And so for me, uh, I came back in kind of from an angle of someone who's a really big college sports fan, uh, specifically basketball. And I saw it as a good way for me to prospect young athletes and try to make a few extra dollars on some of my sports knowledge. And so I'm a big uh, fantasy football player as as well as a, a sports better. And um, this was kind of uh, another frontier where, where I thought that I can put my sports knowledge to, to make some money and, and to have some fun while I'm watching games. And so I, I got back in two years ago as more of like an investor, but shortly after, you know, just started collecting cards again. Uh, and so most of my collections in golf now but i do have uh, a pretty good basketball collection as well.
0: Well, i've been a buyer and a seller on the site since it's launch and actually pre-launch i had i had some of the initial cards that were up on the site as it went live in in beta and so i thought it would be it would be fun to spend a few minutes talking about the progression of the site how it's evolved since launch. One of the things that I've appreciated most about the approach that you guys have taken is that you are not afraid to iterate. And it seemed like for those first couple months, every every few days there was a new feature or a new button or a new filter or some other modification or tweak to the site to make it more user friendly. So talk to talk to me a little bit about the progression of the site from, from launch until what we we see today.
1: Yeah. So, I, you know, I feel like we've made a lot of progress. We've been out there for a little over six months now. You know, the the vision has, has remained the same since day one. Really what we saw as our opportunity was to build a marketplace that basically takes some of the friction out of buying and selling cards and just makes it a little bit easier. And so, you know, this was something I noticed when I was getting back in to the hobby and my partners as well, because um, they have a pretty similar story. And so... What what we really focused on doing was making it easier and less expensive to sell cards, and that's that's kind of always been the vision and, and remains the vision to this day. And then on the marketplace side of things, on the buy side, the goal was really to make it very easy to come to our site and find you know find the card that you're looking for and do your research all in one location and make that purchase. And so the the site that we launched with certainly reflected that. But I feel like over these past few months or so. Um, we've definitely been able to make some enhancements um, that has kind of made it even easier and taken out even more friction as, as we've been moving along.
0: So one of the things that sets you guys apart is your limited focus. So rookie cards only from a handful of sets from a few of the the most popular sports at this time. Yes. And I understand that that's intentional and that is a, a business decision but it also somewhat limits the number of available cards on the site and limits to some extent the number of people who would be attracted to star stock as a marketplace because they may not have some of those other cards that they're looking for. And so, like I said, I understand that's an intentional business decision and part of your strategy. How do you look at the pros and the cons of that strategy?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the, the con is that we don't accept everything. And so people that want to sell off their collection or sell their cards and if they have some modern that they like sending to us, but they also have vintage, um, we don't accept that. And so they, you know, the con is, I guess they have to split their collection between two different sites. For us, um, it's pretty simple. Like, as I said, our goal is to really build out a, a stock market like, you know, website where people can buy cards instantly and at scale and do it at a more affordable price. And so in order for this model to work, we have to be very specific with the cards that we take. And, you know, we, we only accept a a few sets for each sport. And the reason why is we want the product to be simple. We, we want to enable people to come to our site and only need to choose between three or four brands of Zion Williamson's instead of the 28 brands that Panini might produce. And the second reason is we only accept cards that we can really make money on. Um, and so we do have a unique model. We charge a 5% seller fee, which is about one third of, of some of the other more traditional markets out there. And the way that we make that work is by having cards that are that are selling frequently. And, you know, we, we really only want to accept cards that we can make money on because at the end of the day, we are a business.
0: You talked about selling frequently. I was curious on that breakdown of the people who buy and relist immediately and like continue that cycle directly on the site versus people who buy a card and have it shipped home. What's that breakdown look like?
1: Most people keep their cards on the site. Um, What we really specialize in where we have the most liquidity is uh, base cards for in basketball and football. It's Prism Optic Select um, Donruss. And for baseball, it's top series one, two, update Bowman Chrome. And so, for the most part, with the with the types of cards that we carry, um, people like keeping them in the vault because they want to make sure that they can flip that card at the most optimal time. And so, you can take a good example from this week of uh, Talon Horton Tucker, who's the the talk of the hobby right now. Um, for you, those that don't know the story, basically, he has a great game. LeBron tweets about him. His card goes from fifteen cents or from fifty cents to to about like twelve, thirteen dollars. Next day, he drops 33 points, and the card goes all the way up to $17. But it only stayed at $17 for a few hours, and then it dropped all the way back down to 12 And so if you didn't have your cards in the vault and you, had to, and you saw that opportunity, this might have been the last opportunity to sell Talon Horton Tucker that high. Who knows? Maybe he's a great player. Maybe he's not. But the idea is that if you have the cards in the vault and you're watching the game, um, and you're at the bar, you're at a friend's house, wherever you are, you can go on your phone and you can, uh, you can list that card for sale immediately. You don't need to take pictures. Um, you don't need to then go and send it in. And so that's really the idea. Um, and that's why people like keeping their cards in the
0: vault. And from a business perspective, that's better for you as well, right? That, that's fewer, less handling, less back and forth, on and off, less processing. You're generating uh, that commission on each of those subsequent flips and so that's probably better for you as well to not have as many cards processed and sent home versus relisted and 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 kept in the vault at the beginning of the football season there was a lot of discussion about how you envision collectors and and investors buying and flipping in-game as something that would add to the enjoyment of, of watching sports what are the transaction levels for players in the middle of a game compared to the regular transaction levels. Is that theory playing out? Do you see more in-game flips and in-game transactions as you thought you might?
1: Totally. And if it's not in-game, it's in news, right? So it's something, it's a, you know, a Woj tweet or a big free agency pickup in baseball. Um, The people that we see sell the most frequently are the ones that are in the news. And typically we see the sales happen around that time. And so with Talon Horton Tucker, to stay with that example, we were selling a lot of cards right after LeBron's tweet or during his game while he was you know scoring uh, when he scored 33 points. Um, another good example is when Joe Burrow got injured, you had about like 60 seconds to get to Ryan Finley, who is their backup quarterback. And if you didn't get to him within a minute, all of those cards were already scooped up and relisted. Um, and so there's definitely a big component to uh, live trading. And personally, like as, as a consumer myself, that was something that I was always looking for. Um, and and personally, we that that's kind of what we think one of the gaps in fantasy football is, is that you can't make any adjustments to your lineup during the game. But with Starstock, you can watch the game and you can actually interact and you can buy and sell players.
0: One of the big pros about selling on Starstock was no submission fees. And so if you had the cards that you were looking for, you could send them in and in a pretty quick time, get them listed with, with no submission fees. How are submission levels looking at this point? Is, are, have you been able to um, scale to the point where you're still able to keep up and, and keep kind of that four or five day turnaround that you were having for quite a while?
1: Yeah, I think our turnaround right now is about one to three weeks. We've, done some, we've created a system called FastPass. Um, in which we upload all of these select amount of sets within 48 hours. Typically, those are like 2020 sets. So right now, our fast pass includes Donruss Football 2020, uh, Prism Football 2020, and NBA Draft Prism, and we'll include new sets as they come out. And then also graded cards um, get uploaded within 48 hours. And we just—I don't know if you saw, but we actually just launched a wax vertical of sealed boxes. Those get uploaded within 48 hours as well.
0: And those are also something that you send in, exactly. Right? So yep. you guys are storing those in the vault as well.
1: Exactly. Yes. And so we launched this last week, um, maybe a week ago. Today it was Thursday or Wednesday, and we've gotten hundreds of boxes since they started coming in on Monday, um, and it's been fantastic. That we're you know they're already starting to sell on the platform. We're really excited about it.
0: One of the other questions that I've gotten from people who are considering selling on the site is one of those parameters is like we talked about before rookie cards only from a handful of sets but they're also rookie cards uh and prospect cards of active players so one of the questions that i've got is what happens when a player is no longer active you know three or four or five years from now when we start to see some of these people out of the league what happens at that point to the way that you're managing that that inventory
1: yeah, well, you could go look up Vince Carter. We have a couple of his cards on the site. And then we have a we have a few funny exceptions where I think we have some Johnny Manziels and some Andrew Lux, and I think a few Colin Kaepernicks too. But it's a good question. To be honest, we've thought about it a little bit, not too much. I do think in the near future, we might, you know, start accepting some vintage cards. Obviously, in two to three years, LeBron will probably be out of the league and Carmelo and maybe Chris Paul, a lot of people and um, so we'll, we have a few ideas in, on how we can kind of graduate them um, into a different section of the marketplace, or maybe we start accepting hall of fame, vintage players only. Um, and so we're, we're looking into different ideas on, on how to, to, you know, handle that process. But as of now, they're still in there. You can go buy Vince Carter if you want.
0: Yeah. So, so what you just hit on was actually leads into one of the other questions that I have. One of those things that I think about as I'm thinking about the the focus on rookie and prospect cards of current active players is many of them are going to be unproven and have very short track records from an investment perspective, from a long range perspective, a lot of those hall of famers like you mentioned and their rookie cards have more limited downside, right? It's a, a slightly different investment class risk profile than the ones we have now. And so as I've thought about this and other people have, have asked me about using sports cards as an investment, it sometimes seems like we're in this midst of a peak or we're even we're in the midst of a run up over the last several years. And if we're only focusing on rookies and prospects of brand new unproven people, there's that potential that we're buying the most risky <laughs> type of sports card at the time.
1: No question about it.
0: Any yeah. any thoughts? You know, you touched on that fact that maybe we might open it up to Hall of Fame rookie cards in, in the future. Have you any other thoughts or considerations on how you t- try to educate collectors on the, kind of the, the pros and cons or the risks that they need to be considering when, when they're focusing solely on current, modern rookies and prospects?
1: Yeah, and so obviously, the newer they are to the league, the riskier they are. Um, There's the most upside as well. I think buying a LeBron James rookie card is one of the safest investments you can make, not only in sports cards, just in general. Like I think it's an unbelievable investment. Um, And vintage cards are great investments as well. The reason why we didn't launch with them is because they're not as interesting and there's not as much price movement. And what we're trying to build is a marketplace with a lot of um, velocity and a lot of movement. And the vintage cards just don't have that. Even LeBron, you know, take LeBron, for example, he could score 50 points for maybe a whole entire month in a row, and it probably wouldn't move his card because it's already built in that he's, you know, one of the goats of basketball. Um, Whereas a guy like Talon Horton Tucker or a guy like Bull Bull or Michael Porter Jr. or Ja, or Zion Um, They haven't proven themselves yet. And so obviously they're, they're riskier, but they're more volatile and they're more fun. And there's a lot of people that are coming into this hobby that love prospecting young athletes. And um, it's almost like taking a future bet on, on a player. Um, And so I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely different types of people that are in this hobby, different types of collectors. I personally love, collecting cards. I have a a huge golf collection um, and and a basketball one as well. But I use the flipping aspect and I use star stock as like a game, just like I play fantasy football or I play DFS on FanDuel or DraftKings. That's kind of how I see star stock. And I take my profits on star stock to go buy that Tiger Woods card that I want or to go buy that that mellow that that I've been looking to buy for the past few months. And so that's kind of how I look at it. Is is that it? You know, we're trying to gamify uh, and really make like a fun platform where you can where you can play on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, and I think you know you you added a little bit to that with the football invitational and now the basketball invitational and and I think if anything that the football invitational to some extent highlights the fact that not everything is going to be going up in perpetuity up into the right long term, right? Um, with the results that that some of the contestants in that have shown um, is that depending on when what you buy and when you buy it can make uh, a a big determination on whether you will be profitable or not from that that investing or flipping mindset. Um, but I think those are those are a, an interesting combination of both that investing money making angle as well as the fantasy football game contest type angle that some people have with, mm-hmm. with using cards for that type of entertainment as well. Um, where did that idea come from?
1: Oh, that's a good, um, I think that, I think that they did something similar at FanDuel and we were talking about how it'd be cool to, to do something similar to that. And so then we, you know, we just tried to figure out a, a system that would work um, and that would be fun and engaging. And, you know, I think we have a, a lot of work still to do on this and the first couple have been kind of like test runs in a way and we've been learning a lot so we've made a few adjustments for this upcoming one i think it's going to be really fun so we have 12 pe- for those that don't know we have 12 people 10 of them are you know sports cards or just general sports influencers um and two are, are wild cards that we that we give away on instagram and, and twitter and so we give them all 500 and, and we track their progress throughout the season One thing we're doing this year is when we get to the all-star game, which I think is 10 weeks into the season, we are going to eliminate the last place um, contestant. And every single week, every Sunday, we're going to start eliminating the last place contestant until we get down to two people. And so um, that along with a few other kind of tricks that we have up our sleeve, we think um, might make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more competitive this time around.
0: Another feature of the site that you guys have been sharing for the last several months that definitely also has more of that investment mutual fund type influence is the Emerging 30. Can you talk to me a little bit about the Emerging 30, how those 30 players were chosen? Will they change over time? Kind of how does that index work?
1: Yeah. So this, I can tell you exactly how we how we came up with the idea for this. Nigel and I were just writing out every the top 30 players in the 2017, 18, and 19 draft class in the NBA on a whiteboard, and we put their Prism Star Stock A price on it. Did this a few months ago. We were trying to figure out which players we thought were undervalued. And so what we found was when we put their price on the whiteboard, it was really easy to go up and circle players and be like, wow, he if that guy's going for that, then this guy should not be going for that, or he should be more, or he should be less. And so we put that on the whiteboard. We're like, wow, this is great. We got, we got to figure out a way to get this on the site. And so what we've done is we've taken the 30 best prospects from 2017 through 2020. Um, We, we found our first 30 by prism star stock a price. So it's the top 30 star stock a prices um, for those draft classes. And what's really cool about it is you can use it as a tool to measure just like the overall performance of the basketball market. But it's also cool to click into the chart, and since it's the same exact asset, same exact card and grade for every player, we basically strip out the card, and all you need to really look at are the names and the prices next to them. And if you know that Donovan Mitchell is going for hundred dollars and John Morant's going for one hundred and fifty, you think John, you think Donovan Mitchell is better than John Morant, then sounds like you should probably buy a Donovan Mitchell card. Um, and so, yeah, we're really excited about this. We've gotten a great response from it so far. Um, we'll definitely do more things like these in the future.
0: So those 30 are essentially frozen for the purpose of this, this group. It's not like you're going to be swapping people out or, or anything like that, um, for this initial emerging 30.
1: No, we're actually going to start a relegation process. I haven't told anyone this yet. We'll probably start in the next, uh, if not this Sunday, then the following Sunday, we will recorrect the top 30 um, every month. So every four weeks, if someone drops out and is not a top 30 priced StarStock, a Prism card anymore, they will drop out of the index and new guys will emerge and come in.
0: So then at that point, it will no longer kind of reflect the people who are falling off kind of that, that downside of, of people who are falling out of favor. It's, it's going to be removing them and- is, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Like hypothetically, if someone who is in the 28th spot toward their ACL and, you know, went to a third of the value and then on the flip side, Talon Horton Tucker keeps on putting up incredible games. And now he's, you know, going for $30, he'll move into the index and whoever drops out, you know, whoever's prices falls all the way down will drop out. So okay. we'll take the top 30 every month.
0: So at that point it becomes more of a, uh, a tool to help identify potential people that you want to jump on, not necessarily a true reflection of the, the movement of the market. It will the, both.
1: I mean, like they, they do the same thing in the stock market. Um, you know, they, they'll, they'll recorrect their indexes, um, you know, to, to uh, account for, you know, new companies that should be in the S and P and some companies that should fall out. Um, and so it should reflect the overall market. And, um, especially because the market is moved mostly by the top 15 to 20 players on the index and the, the bottom 10 represent a lot smaller share of the, of the market in the index.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was an interesting angle or an interesting perspective that um, we haven't really seen too often yet in the sports card world. And so I wanted to ask a little bit about that. What are some of the upcoming additional features and initiatives that you are, you're planning on rolling out over the next several months? You talked about the um, rollout of, of wax, of sealed boxes on the site. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other things that we might be able to expect to see in the coming months?
1: Yeah. So the past three or four weeks have been pretty big in terms of features we put out. We launched the index. Shortly after that, we launched the wax. And about two weeks ago, we launched PSA submissions. And so this is something that we've been getting support emails and DMs on social for as soon as we launched, we started getting them. Um, and so we're really, really excited about this. Um, we we capped our first submission at 1,200 cards and we sold out in 24 hours. And so there's a lot of demand for people to get their cards graded from the Starstock vault over to PSA and then right back into the vault. And so that's something that we just launched that we're excited about, and it's going to be a big initiative for us in 2021. Um, another feature that we just launched, I think it was last week was upcoming game schedules on the site. And so we, have now, we now have a widget where you can see the upcoming game schedules for NFL, MLB, or NBA, and then see like the top five players that are going to be participating in that game. And you can click on the player. will take you to their card. Um, and so I think, in, in January and February, you'll see a lot of building on on top of that. We'd like to in, integrate stats, um, injury news, things like that, so you can do a lot more research on our site. Um, and so that's something we're excited about. And then a lot of work to the collection. I think personally, if you ask me, what part of the site I you know I'd like to see kind of improve in these next few months, um, I think that we can you know add a lot into the collection to make it you know easier to list cards as well as just showing you more data to to analyze how you're doing how you're performing.
0: Yeah that would be great. I, th- I think for me one of those one of those things that I recommended for improvement was reducing the number of clicks that it took to buy a card and and relist you know, at first it was it was several. I think we're down to maybe two or three clicks now um, to get that taken care of. but some of those types of things w- would be would be super helpful in in reducing that that additional friction. so it's it's good to see that that user experience is continuing to be on on the the forefront. Um, you added soccer recently. Any thoughts on adding any additional sports?
1: Yeah, we'd love to. Uh, You know, kind of our our mentality here with product enhancements, as well as adding sports and features and things like that, is we truly listen to what people tell us to do. And the reason why we added soccer was because we were getting so many DMs and so many emails from people telling us that we needed to add soccer, that it got to a point we just couldn't stop. We couldn't respond to them anymore and, and tell them, you know, that we're thinking about it or that we want to do it. And so we just did it. And so I've had a few people that have asked about hockey. We don't get it too frequently and, and some other sports as well. And so with, with feature updates and, and, and adding new sports, as soon as we hear it from our customers that they want it, then it will move up to, to the top of our to-do list. And you know our product team uh, looks at all the feedback that comes in. And that's basically how we choose our priority of what to work on next.
0: You've been, you've been running for five or six months now. What has been one of the biggest unexpected challenges to getting the site off the ground and running and processing all of these cards that people are submitting? What's what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have had to overcome that you maybe weren't expecting to be as big of a deal as they were?
1: Well, we didn't expect to get so many cards so fast back in May. And so obviously we knew that building out a process to, you know, first safely, um, you know, process these cards, but also do it at a, at a good speed. We knew that was going to be tough. We didn't know that we were going to get so many cards so quickly right out of the gate. And so we basically had to take a lot of our engineering efforts into building us tools to help us scale that up. And we had to hire a lot of people. And that was definitely a big challenge um, doing that while also figuring out what's the best way to, to store the cards and, you know, what's the best way to process the cards and take photos and all that stuff. So really proud of of how we've been able to build out that process over, you know, the first, you know, few months or so. That was definitely a big challenge. Another challenge is kind of uh, in a a different category was just like the challenge of getting the football market going. Like I personally thought the NFL market was going to resemble the NBA market at least a little bit, and it just completely didn't. And so you touched on it with the SIFC competition. But that, that was something that I totally was not expecting was for the basketball market to be that much more popular and that much bigger than football. And I don't think it was only our site. It's just in general in the hobby right now.
0: Yeah, there there's a lot of talk this year with the number of new collectors, some of the people coming over from fantasy sports. There was a lot of talk at the beginning of the season how this might be the year that the traditional quarterback driven football card market might shift to some of the other position players. And I just don't think we've seen that play out like like some people thought it might.
1: No, didn't happen. It didn't happen. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I, I, I do think it still could happen. I think football players aren't, you know, they don't have the brands that these NBA players have. They wear helmets and they're not as tied to pop culture. I also think Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey getting injured in the first two weeks. Those are, those are picks number one and two in fantasy football. So <laughs> that didn't help either, but I'm, I'm still bullish that, you know, in the, in the future, in the next couple of years, years uh, this market will really be able to grab a lot of that fantasy market. A lot of those football fans.
0: Last question I've got for you is comes from, I guess, recent events, you know, it was just released over the last week or two that you guys received a big investment round, Funding A little bit more from Nigel, who we've been talking about a little bit before, but also a couple other big name NBA players, um, Kevin Durant and Della Della Vadova. Tell me a little bit about that funding round and what some of the thoughts are on, on how those funds are going to be used to continue to grow and scale the site.
1: Yeah, um, no, we're 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 really excited. We got an awesome team of, of investors um, on board with us, people that um, you know can really bring some value and kind of really guide us as we as we build this company up. And so we're really excited. Obviously, it's great to to have athletes on on the platform, especially where we're trying to build such a athlete focused site. And so it, it it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I think you'll see that the money is going to go towards. Uh, really enhancing this product and continuing to uh, work on that and, and, and make it amazing and hopefully add some, some cool features and, uh, and stuff that, that people like, as well as really scaling up our operations. Um, we want to get cards in faster. We want to ship out cards faster. We want to submit more cards to PSA. Um, and we just want to continue to really make the buying and, and the selling process on our site as easy and, and frictionless as possible. And so that's going to remain our goal. And um, the new fundraising round is just going to you know, help us get there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find you, the best social media to follow StarStock itself, and anything else that you want to make sure people take away from our conversation today?
1: Yeah, well, you can find us um, on Twitter and Instagram at Market. Personally, I'm um, Scotty uh, with a Y dot Greenberg on Instagram and uh, Twitter. And yeah, you know, NBA season's kicking up. Uh, You know, I I know that there's a lot of your listeners that have probably tried Starstock and a lot that haven't. You know, I just uh, uh, would love anyone who hasn't given it a shot yet to go check it out. If you have any feedback or if you have any questions, we have an amazing support team here um, that works really, really hard. And so give us a call, email us anytime. Love chatting with you guys. And, and that's about it. I, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks again, Scott. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again to Scott for coming on. It was great to hear how the site has progressed so far. As you can see, it's not necessarily gonna be a site for everybody. It's not gonna be a site if you're a big player collector and like to build a large variety of different, of different cards for your collection. That's not necessarily the site that you're gonna go to um, to buy. And the same thing as Scott said, if you're looking to unload your whole collection, it's not necessarily the only site that you'll be able to use to do that but if you do have rookie cards from the sets that they're taking of these current players it has been a fantastic site for me to use to sell and flip those cards no submission fees only a five percent sales fee at the commission at the time of sale And it's been a very successful site if you happen to have the cards that they're looking for on the site. And so I would recommend that you check it out. It'll be interesting to see how some of the other things play out, the investment focus, the flip focus, the top 30 index, some of those types of angles that they're taking to try to continue connecting the concept of investing to cards. I don't know how that will play out in the long run. Uh, I still think there's a lot of risk of focusing on rookie cards of unproven players as your sole focus, but we'll see how it plays out. Anyway, thanks again to Scott for coming on. Thank you again for listening. I would love to hear your feedback on the show and on this episode. You can reach me at waxpackhero at gmail.com. You can reach out on Twitter at the Mike Summer. And as always, I would love to for you to leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts or your podcast app of choice so that other people can see more about the show, what you like, and what you would recommend as an area of improvement. Well, that is all I have for you today. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.